You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Brian Cuban is an attorney, author, and recovery advocate. His first book, Shattered Image, My Triumph Over Body Dysmorphic Disorder, chronicles his firsthand experiences living with and recovering from 27 years of eating disorders and body dysmorphic disorder. His second book, The Addicted Lawyer, Tales of the Bar, Booze, Blow, and Redemption, is already an Amazon number one bestseller. Brian speaks at conferences, nonprofit events, colleges and universities across the United States and in Canada. And today, he's on our show talking about issues related to the current virus crisis. So I've got with me on the podcast today, Brian Cuban. Brian has been on the show. He's a friend. He's someone that is well-known within the legal world. And Brian, I've known your wife, Amanda, for probably about 10 or 11 years. So it's nice to have people like you on the show again. And and today we're going to be talking about compassionate community as it relates to the current crisis. So Brian, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me on again, Scott. It's great to connect with you. You bet. And I know we were talking about how this particular crisis It's significant. It's something that is unparalleled. We've never seen anything like this. It's upended the legal industry, my industry, your industry as a speaker. And I know we're talking about compassionate community. And let me ask you, why is that significant? And what is a working definition we could give to that topic for the listeners today? Well, it's significant because even in times of normality, quote unquote normality, the legal profession is one that tends not to be compassionate to each other. We right. tend to be avoidant of each other. Now, we're compassionate. We have all the compassion in the world for our clients, but we less so for each other. And I view this as one of the cogs in why we have such a high rate of uh, problem drinking, depression, a high suicide rate, anxiety rate. And a compassionate community is one. It doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory, Scott. Right. It is one that is in a constant state of a uncomfortability when we know someone in that community is off the beam. Mm. So the question becomes, when we know that, what do we do? Well, the catch is that, and I say this metaphorically as we, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, the, the catch is that when we feel that, we have to step outside of our comfort zone and close distance. And now you know why I'm talking metaphorically. <laughs> right, 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 right. So instead of create distance, because there is that human instinct sometimes to create distance so we don't to get out of that zone of uncomfortability. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Do you think that it's because in the legal world, partners have to put their shields up and put on a facade, put on a show of strength? Do you think that people confuse vulnerability with weakness? Absolutely. And especially in the legal profession, and I've, this is a repetitive uh, statement I've said over and over again, we are uh, culturalized and educationalized, that's not a word, but it is now, to, uh, <laughs> to take advantage of vulnerability as a profession as part of what we do. Our client, I mean, not our clients, our, uh, our opponents, right? Right. So uh, in the adversarial process, so it's not something that may be natural to us. And we feel we have to put on this, we wear this suit of the shield 
of invulnerability. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we, we, we may be hurting in many of one different ways. So yes, this is a problem. And there are ways to deal with that as part of compassionate community. And there are different communities within the legal profession. We have the macro community, which is the legal profession as a whole, just lawyers who we need to support each other. We have micro communities within that. We have the law firm. We have big law. We have medium law. We have solo. We have different types of communities within the big law. We have partner groups. We have practice groups. We have all these communities that may not even interact with each other in a meaningful way. Let me ask you this. With the stresses associated with this current crisis, with what you're talking about with compassionate community, I think that, and my guess, and you might have data on this, that in this crisis, we might see a spike of some of those personal challenges that people face that are very personal. And I always believe that any sort of a crisis, it's going to show the cracks of the structure of a firm. Uh, Some firms are healthy and it's not going to affect them as much. Uh, Others, it might have some sort of weakness. It's going to magnify that. I think the same thing in our personal lives. Do you think that substance abuse or other issues related to mental health, is that something that people should be on the lookout for if they see a spike in, in that issue related to the crisis? Absolutely. And I, I, I try to shy away from the word abuse, even though I've used it before. People struggling with uh, substance use or problem drinking or depression. Let, let's remember, we know from the Betty Ford ABA Hazleton study, which gets cited over and over again, that we have a... 20 plus percent overall problem drinking rate, quote unquote alcoholic, and you can follow any, a, a number of places on that, scale, on that sliding mm-hmm. scale in terms of how it affects you. Depression rate, we have the fourth highest suicide rate. So we already have a community that is struggling. And mm-hmm. we can assume, I have no data on this, and I suspect at some point in the future, this will be quantified by somebody Right. We also have those people who are just underneath the tip-over scale who this type of, of world-changing stress may tip over into problem drinking, into suicidal ideation, into major depressive episode. And so, yes, this is something as a legal profession we need to keep in mind right now and address. And again, one of the ways to address that is through understanding compassionate community and the things we can do while we are also socially, and not even socially distanced. We don't have to be socially distanced. We are physically distanced. Right, right. So how do we use that community while we are physically distanced? And there are simple things to do, and people are doing them. We have these Zoom meetings. We have uh, lawyer wellness Zoom meetings. We have all kinds of different ways. And so people are doing them, but, and there's Zoom overload right now. Right. But uh, and there's webinar overload, but there are we do have tools. Have, there's also the demographic of lawyers who don't want to use those tools. They are not comfortable for, with those tools. They are. I talk to them. Uh, they reach out to me. I don't want to zoom. Uh, I don't want to do this. I just want to sit here alone. Okay. Well, how do we reach that part of our demographic as well? Why do you I, think and that I is do right? that as an analogy to the whole wellness movement in the legal profession, where it kind of stops at big law, right? And we may not necessarily be messaging that community below that, or it's not getting down, not that we're not trying. That's how I kind of analogize that. So let me ask you this. Why do you think somebody wouldn't choose to use those tools? What have you heard from people that you talk to? When people use isolation as a coping mechanism, what are they going to do? They're going to isolate. Right. That This, Scott, is one of my biggest challenges right now. 
as somebody uh, dealing who deals with major depression on an episodic basis. The need, the the view that maybe I don't even need to get out of bed today, but I know I have to, and I deal with this personally. Right. Isolation as a coping mechanism. How do we look for indications that that might be what we're using, and what action steps would you take for somebody that is starting to go well, down that path? In this in this environment of physical distancing, it's a challenge. But again, you can reach out. There are so we, you have different ways to reach out to people through uh, text. Maybe they don't zoom through text, through phone, uh, a phone call. I know when we're going through our we're worried about our family. We're worried about our pets. We're worried about our family, our spouses, our parents. I worry every day about my 80-plus-year-old mother living alone in Pittsburgh who is very independent, and you have to kind of get, a, get the hold on her, right? You want to bear hug her. Don't leave the house. Right, we'll, right. We'll, get, we'll help you. So we have our own stresses, so I can understand where you pick up your phone, you look at your call, you look at the people, and, oh, man, I just can't. But that's, that's the uncomfortability of a compassionate community. And, and it's, I think it's on each other to, it's on all of us to hit the dial. Right. What do you think law firm leaders can do to really foster this compassionate community? What's the message they should be sending to their colleagues and how should they be delivering that message? I personally think that delivering the message, I mean, it just depends on the situation, a big law. I mean, how many employees, you're a name partner, you're on a masthead, whatever. What are you doing today? Pick up the phone. I know you have the law firm goes on and you're struggling with layoffs and things like this. And, and, that, and that's another thing, right? You're going to pick up and personally call someone you're about to lay off. But we need to start reaching out personally to some of these, to some of the people in the, in the community. And the partners may be doing that. Hmm. And reaching out personally is, can be more than email. We are seeing this right now, Scott, with the mistakes and the right things that are being done during this crisis. People are being laid off by, by Zoom, by group Zoom. People are being laid off by email. That is not compassionate community. Now, I, it's going to depend on what the situation is, and I'm not here to pass judgment on people who do one thing or another, but I can tell you that that is not compassionate community. Right. And we have the hard realization of what's going on in the, in the profession right now. I don't know how much is going on in the ML 100, but in the 200 or 300, we see layoffs. Uh, I haven't, and there may be some in the 100, but I haven't, haven't looked. Right. But uh, we're seeing layoffs, we're seeing salary cuts, we're seeing uh, draws cut, compensation cuts. So it's hard to be personally compassionate when you're trying to deal with all that. But I think back to something my brother Mark said recently. Firms, and I believe this applies to law firms as well, will be branded for the next two, ten, 10 years to 20 years on how they respond to their employees in this crisis. Right. So let's say that we have a partner that's listening to this that has a group of people and not even the large picture of law firm leadership, but the group, the team, the three or four colleagues that he or she has that they're working arm in arm serving clients. What would you say that person should be doing within their own small community? How can they huddle? How call often should they connect with people? Call, connect with every one of them by Zoom personally as human beings, not as a boss. Right. Because people need to be given permission to be human in this crisis. Right. Lawyers need to be given permission to be human beings with stress, with trauma, who cry, who grieve versus employees. 
And I think one way to give them permission is to just, well, pick up the phone or again, Zoom <laughs> on right. a, and let them know that you're human too. And you're going through these same emotions. And to encourage that on a lateral basis as well within the team. Right. And they may be doing that. I was it's say, so important seen... that we all, that we be given permission to be, be human and to cry and to have fear because this is a fearful time. When you feel that you don't have permission to do that, what do you do? You bottle it up. What happens when you bottle it up? Well, it leaks out in a different way. Maybe not now, maybe a week from now, and possibly in a, in a unhealthy way. Feeling is painful, but feeling is healing. Say that again. I said feeling is painful, but feeling is healing. Talk about that. What does that mean? Somebody that is really starting to understand this or has maybe... It means if you bottle up the human emotions of what we're going through and you're already struggling with something, the odds of that it will leak out and in a healthy behavior, either immediately or down the road, increase. That's powerful. Find your, find your compassionate community that you can release, that you can talk about your feelings. And as a partner, we should be creating that compassionate community where we can talk about our feelings. Now, the flip side of that, and I understand the catch-22, the associate, the partner underneath, well, if I talk about this, it's going to be used against me. That's the stigma later on, right? I'm weak. This is the struggle, figuring out how to allow us to be human without telling us that we're weak. And it's going to depend on the different situation. It's interesting. I was talking with a very successful partner about moving. And there are people that are moving right now. There are firms that are bringing people on board right now. They're doing it virtually and they've pivoted and they've adapted. And I was sure. talking with, uh, with him about just the attitude that's just a huge turnoff and it's people that have to prove something. And those that are successful, a lot of them know they don't, they've, they've already lived through that myth. They don't have to prove anything. They've earned it. They don't have to prove anything. And it's almost like they have to go through that to realize that that's just a myth, just this false sense this false pretense that we have about we have our act together. I find that sometimes still being professional, but at the right moment, showing some vulnerability, showing some imperfection in a way can be a bonding agent. It can actually bring people together. Such it it as, can. And, and again, the balance becomes how do you give permission and uh, to do that? And a lot of big law firms have, have these resources and they're talking to people with how to, about how to do that. Uh, some do it better than others, as I've seen, uh, at least through news stories about layoffs and such. But uh, what about the medium firm? What about the solo? So there's a, whole, there's a whole hierarchy that we need to address besides big law. And I know your focus is on partners and such, but this all interacts as a community, right? right. We watch how other people do it. And again, permission becomes an issue that may give us, tell us, we may feel we have permission to handle it in a bad way as well. <laughs> right, right. So if somebody starts seeing indications that their mental health is impacted. What are some resources that you know that people could get help in various ways? What are, what are a couple of well, ideas you would have? The first line of defense is always your lawyer's assistance program on any level, right? Because they understand and have seen this time and time again. There, are, there may be different fact situations, but there are very few different feeling situations. Okay, so whatever is going on, they've probably seen and they know the resources. Now, of course, that is... Uh, that should go hand in hand with the compassionate community of the practice group or that hopefully has been created. But the lawyer's assistance program uh, for people right now in this crisis, we need to cover online. Uh, if you're in 12 steps, 12 step groups are, are going online. 
peer recovery groups are going online. Uh, we have the Lawyers Depression Project, which is out of New York City, which is uh, online, which is wonderful. And these are all these are all done uh, anonymously. You're not going to divulge your secrets, or you're not, you can be you, in the comfort of your home without having to say who you are. Right. And that is through the Lawyers Assistance Program too. People get all stigmatized about this, like it's going to get out. Or if I have to call, I have to give my name. If I'm worried about a colleague, no, you don't. And the lawyers' assistance programs are active, are, are more important than ever. They're important across the board all the time. But right now, more than ever, because they're there for this. The Lawyers' Depression Project is there. The 12-step groups are going online. It's, it takes, it'll take a little uh, a Google fingers, but the, the re- online resources are there. And, and it almost... Every major lawyer's assistance program right now is putting all of the virtual resources online. I know TLAP is. I'm on their committee, the Texas Lawyer's Assistance Program. They're putting all these virtual resources online. So that would be the first place I would go is look at their resources. And if you're in a smaller, uh, if, if you're solo or medium, use those resources because they, they, they apply to you too. I mean, that's the macro community, right, Scott? Right. That's right. Do you think there still is a stigma associated with some of these things you're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And lawyers have, uh, there are several layers. Now we have three layers of stigma. There's always the first layer of stigma that applies to a recovery and addiction in general. That's not just the legal profession that affects all of us as a community uh, all over the country. And from a diversity standpoint, affects different demographics, different ways different levels of privilege, different ways. And so we have that. And then we have the stigma of the legal profession, which we know exists, right? If I go to my partner, if I do this or do that, I'm going to get fired, lose a client, uh, lose my partnership track. We have that level of stigma. And now we have COVID stigma. I have to be strong. I have to be strong for my family. And I'm going to be seen, I have to be strong for my parents. And I'm going to be seen as triply weak if I quote unquote whine. Right. About because look at me, I'm so I'm, I'm I'm sitting here in this at my desk. There are people struggling, struggling, and that is true. So we may have, and and we, we do. I sit here and I feel very blessed because I do have privilege. I would be disingenuous to acknowledge that. Right. So we have to be aware of all of that on several different layers. So yes, now we have three layers of stigma to fight through, and this is very important because. We are a profession that is struggling in general, and this is another stress that, again, like I said, could triple that I think, at least anecdotally, I won't be surprised if we see a spike in rates if it's ever quantified, and we are going to see people who were just managing suddenly tip over. Right. What are some final thoughts that you think those listening today can take away that can really make them build their resilience muscles that can help them get through this and build that sort of compassionate community within their firm and within within their team? Well, as I told you when we started, I'll have 13 years in long-term recovery from cocaine and alcohol uh, in a couple days. So I look back on that and I thought, wow, okay, I'm happy about that. But it also happens to fall on my father's birthday who passed away less than two years ago. And that's Mm. still very raw and stressful to me when I think about it. And we're going through this And my mind starts just jumbling and fearful. I pull back and say, wait a minute. I, and this is something I learned in 12-step, I can control today. 
What do I have control over? Control what I can and schedule what I can one day at a time. Right. Because I don't know what COVID's going to bring tomorrow. I don't know what depression is going to bring tomorrow because depression doesn't discriminate either, right? And mine exists independently of my addiction uh, recovery. So one day at a time, one moment at a time, one second at a time, one task at a time. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're going to put all of your links on our show notes so that people can get to you. But tell me about some of the other things that you're doing with your clients right now that you'd like for them to know. I think we mentioned that some of your programs you're putting on your, you're putting out. Sure. Uh, like anyone else, uh, I have a profession. It's public speaking, and which is gone right now. So that, that's a stress for me, but uh, that it is what it is. I've, everyone's in the, in the same boat, right? Right. So I am working on taking my uh, keynote that I provide to law firms, uh, focusing on compassionate community online. I've spoken at uh, many uh, big law firms. That's usually who brings me in. And what I, you, know, you know what's funny? What I, what I realized, Scott, is when I've gone into firms, I'm usually in front of just 10 people as it is, and I'm being simulcast out to all their other offices. <laughs> So, that's, and they have the reading lunch, and that's great. It's kind of funny, you know? It's, yeah, it's like so nothing's changed. <laughs> I thought about that. I said, okay, I'm going to offer my presentation, and again, focusing on certain uh, aspects, more than uh, much more focused than the broader nature of what I'd go in and do, and offer that online. And uh, I'm working on finishing up my novel, uh, so that gives me something, something to you know, have a vision of completion. And I'm just trying to uh, figure out ways to uh, deliver content uh, like everyone else is and uh, get through this one day at a time. Well, this is great, Brian. I look forward to keeping in touch with you, my friend. Same here, Scott. I appreciate you having me on again. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'll be talking with you soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.